0: You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: It's Sunday, July 22nd. I'm Margaret Brennan, and this is Face the Nation. The showdown between President Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin ended with a lighthearted moment. But the fallout over the conflicting responses from the president over whether or not he believes Putin meddled in U.S. elections in 2016 or today led to a week of punishing headlines and widespread criticism frustration, and outrage from even loyal supporters of the president.
2: There's been no president ever as tough as I have been on Russia.
1: But few other than the president believe that, and there are still more questions than answers about what was agreed to behind closed doors. There's also growing evidence about Russia's continued attempts to interfere in our elections. Two key Republican senators, South Carolina's Lindsey Graham and Florida's Marco Rubio, both criticized the president for his Helsinki performance. We'll see where they stand after a week of presidential backtracking. Former Secretary of State John Kerry will tell us about the Obama administration's efforts to challenge Putin on meddling. We'll have plenty of analysis on all the political news this week, just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to Face the Nation. We begin today with South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham. Great to have you here, sir. Uh, This morning, the president is again accusing the Justice Department and the FBI of misleading courts and illegally surveilling uh, his campaign. He's pointing to these documents that were just released about Carter Page, who was a campaign associate and has admitted to having advised the Kremlin at one point. You sit on Senate Judiciary. Is the president wrong?
3: No, I think the the whole FISA warrant process needs to be looked at. Uh, The warrant on Carter Page was supported mostly by a dossier that came from Michael Steele, who was being paid by the Democratic Party to do opposition research. And the dossier was collected, I think, from Russian intelligence services. And if you ask the FBI today how much of the dossier on Trump has been verified almost none of it.
1: Would you say mostly, not entirely. Therefore was the surveillance justified?
3: No, not at all in my view. If the dossier is the reason you issued the warrant, it was a bunch of garbage. The dossier has proven to be a bunch of garbage.
1: So the president is correct?
3: In my view that the warrant, the FISA warrant process needs to be looked at closely by Congress. The main reason they issued the warrant was the dossier prepared by Mr. Steele. They never told the court that he was a paid operative of the Democratic Party. The substance of the dossier to this day is a bunch of garbage.
1: I'm pressing you on this because you have expressed some concern about the president's uh, skepticism about his own intelligence community. And this this is completely different than
3: whether or not. Uh, the Russians interfered in our election. They did. The Carter Page warrant is whether or not the uh, Trump campaign colluded with the Russians. I haven't seen any evidence of it. But I think the president gets this confused. If you suggest that Russian, Russians meddled in 2016, he goes to conclude to the idea that, well, I didn't collude with them. You didn't collude with the Russians, or at least I haven't seen any evidence. But, Mr. President, they meddled in the elections. They stole Podesta's emails. They hacked in the DNC. It could be us next. It could be some other power, not just Russia. Harden our electoral infrastructure for 2018. Mr. President, Dan Coats is right. The red lights are blinking. Get your entire government, which is doing a lot of good work, but nobody knows about it. Sit down with Congress and the administration, and you lead this nation to hardening the 2018 election process before it's too late, not just from Russia, but from others.
1: Well, it sounds like you're saying after a week of, you know, some conflicting statements that you still aren't sure the president is fully believing what his intelligence community is telling him.
3: He says, but he's not acting. It's not what he said. He's changed his mind four times this week. I'm glad that he's willing to walk things back and say he misspoke if it makes us stronger, I'd given anything if President Obama would have changed his mind when it came to withdrawing troops. He was told if you do this, it will be a disaster. He did it anyway. President Trump at least is willing to change. But what I, I think he needs to do is lead this nation to make sure that the 2018 election is protected. And he needs to be the leader of the movement, not brought to the dance reluctantly. So I hope he will direct his government, working with Congress, to harden the 2018 election before it's too late, and if he meets with Putin
1: this fall, he's been invited to the well, White House. You know, Should that happen?
3: Well, if he does show up, you need to have new sanctions hanging over Putin's head.
1: What do those look like?
3: Well, you need to get with Rubio and Van Hollen, myself, and others, and come up with a set of sanctions that would be a hammer over Russia's head if they continue to interfere in the 2018 election. are they? Can, uh, they are. Just have sanctions that can fall on Russia like a hammer. Do not meet with this guy from position of weakness. You need to do two things. You need to harden our electoral infrastructure, and you need to be the leader of that movement, and you need to work with Congress to come up with new sanctions because uh, Putin's not getting the message. You've been tougher than Obama. I'll give you credit for that, Mr. President, but it's not working. If you were really tough with Putin, he would not be doing what he's doing. So being tougher than Obama doesn't get me to where I want to go. I want this man to stay out of our our election and quit disrupting the world. We need new sanctions, heavy-handed sanctions hanging over his head, then meet with him.
1: I know you were just in Syria. Vladimir Putin has said there were a number of agreements that he reached with President Mm -hmm. Trump in this private meeting. Do you have any assurance uh, as to what the president agreed to when it comes to the presence of U.S. troops there?
3: None. But here's the one thing that would be a disaster for the region if he agreed to withdraw our forces. Russia will never get Iran out of Syria. They did not uh, take uh, Assad's chemical weapons away. If you're uh, uh, relying on Russia to be the policeman for Iran, that is the biggest mistake you could ever make. We need to keep our troops in Syria, protect the Kurds who helped us destroy ISIS, make sure that uh, the place doesn't fall apart and ISIS doesn't come back.
1: It took the White House four days to respond to Vladimir Putin's offer on Ukraine. They did send another 200 million in security assistance. Does that satisfy you? I mean, why did it take so long?
3: You know, I don't know. I don't know what deals were cut if any, in that two-hour meeting. And I don't mind with the president meeting with Putin again. You you don't get a mulligan in this business, but you do get another start. You know, when Kennedy met with Khrushchev in Vienna, it didn't go well, but he eventually got his footing with Russia. I hope Trump will get his footing with Russia. He's been tougher than Obama, but he hasn't been tough enough.
1: On North Korea, has the president's rhetoric gotten ahead of where we are in this process?
3: Uh, I worry that China is pulling North Korea back. Here's what I would do. I would put deadlines in terms of when I want North Korea to deliver the remains of of our POWs and missing in action. And I would restart the military exercises. Mr. President, North Korea is playing the same old game with you. They played with every other president. You're being tough on China, and you should be, but China's pulling North Korea back. You need to make sure that China and North Korea know and believes that you're different than everybody else. Restart these military exercises and put on the table removing our dependence from South Korea as a real stern warning to North Korea what happens if they play you.
1: I want to ask you a little bit about how the president's trade policies are impacting your home state of uh, South Carolina, BMW's largest exporter <laughs> yeah. of cars from the U.S. Their biggest plant is in South Carolina. Yeah. How much damage is this tariff war doing?
3: It's hurting, but the biggest damage will be if we allow China to continue to cheat. They can build a luxury car that would be just like the X5 in China, they can build Boeing. Uh, they can build wide-body jets just like the 787. If we don't stop China from stealing intellectual property and having business practices that no other country would accept, all these companies that are complaining about the tariffs today will be driven out of business. I'm willing to accept some pain. I'm willing to push back hard against China, but we need to get a, get a good outcome. Start with Mexico and Canada, Mr. President. Let's don't fight the whole world. Let's get our backyard in a good spot. But
1: the, the tariffs that he's threatening on automobiles are coming from Europe, not China.
3: Uh, Well, China put a 40% tariff on BMWs going into uh, China from the United States. They make 81,000 cars in Greenville, South Carolina, sold to China, the X5. There's a 40% tariff on that product. It's hurting us in South Carolina. I don't know how you get China to change if you're not willing to experience some pain. The European markets need to be opened up, but the Europeans are not our enemy. Mexico and Canada are not our enemy. When it comes to trade, China is our enemy.
1: And we know European negotiators coming here this week, so we'll be watching that. (laughs) Senator, thank you very much. We turn now to Florida Republican Senator Marco Rubio. Good to have you here, Senator. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Should Vladimir Putin be welcome to the White House this fall?
4: Well, I don't have a problem with the president meeting with Putin. On the on the contrary, I think it's an important thing that we engage him. I just think it's important that any conversation we have with Vladimir Putin is with the person who he really is. This is a guy who clearly believes, does not believe in a win-win scenario with the U.S. He's a big believer in zero-sum game. He thinks the way to make Russia stronger is to weaken America, and as long as we're clear about it, I think it's important that the nations speak to one another and that our leaders speak to one another. And I think most of our European allies have encouraged that. But but, but it's only productive if we clearly understand who he is and what he wants.
1: Well, given that the director of national intelligence says Russia continues to try to influence our election system, including these upcoming November races, there's some sensitivity to having Vladimir Putin here in the fall around that same time. You come from a very key state of Florida. Have you seen any evidence in your home state of election meddling or influence?
4: Well, I'll be careful because I'm on the Intelligence Committee. Suffice it to say that I've been warning consistently that I believe they'll do this again. I think they've learned from 2016 methods and... And, and different tactics that I believe they'll utilize again, whether it's in eighteen, twenty, or 22. But they'll do it again, and they'll be better at it. So I strongly urge every election official in America to take advantage of all the resources provided to them and available to them from the Department of Homeland Security and is other federal agencies. being agency. done
1: and being offered?
4: Well, you could always do more. And one of the impediments we have and we're working through is the fact that in many of these elections departments still in some parts of the country, there are not a cleared official that you can share classified information with. Suffice it to say, no election official in America, uh, or in my home state for that matter, should be overconfident. Um, you're, you're dealing with the capacity of nation states, and it's not about changing votes. It's about creating chaos by, for example, deleting people from the voter rolls and the like. So we, we really need to take that very seriously.
1: This morning, the president is... T- is- tweeting and accusing the Justice Department and the FBI of misleading courts and illegally spying on his campaign. He's pointing to the release of these documents uh, about a uh, campaign associate Carter Page, who the FBI believed when they were surveilling him to have some ties to the Russian government. You have said before on the record that you had not seen evidence of the FBI spying on the Trump campaign. Do you still believe that? Yeah, I
4: have a different view on this issue than the president and the White House. I don't, they did not spy on the campaign from anything and everything that I have seen. Uh, you have an individual here who has openly bragged about his ties to Russia and Russians. I don't, he's never, I don't think Carter Page has ever said he's a spy, but he has certainly talked about it. And the FBI's job is to protect this country uh, from from threats, like, uh, and, and to lead our counterintelligence so efforts.
1: justified, is what you're so saying? So
4: they, they look at all this information. They say, we have a guy here who's always in Russia, brags about Russia, and we have reason to believe, and they list those reasons why this is someone we should be watching, and they follow the legal process by which to do so. I think that's different from spying on a campaign. In fact, the, the Trump campaign has said on numerous occasions that Carter Page was not a major player in their campaign. So, uh, you know, based on that statement alone, you would conclude that, yes, they were looking into this one individual... But an individual the campaign themselves said was not a big part of their efforts. Therefore, I wouldn't consider that spying on a campaign.
1: We started this week, though, with, with concern, even from you, that the, the president was really slamming his own intelligence community or at least not defending them. And again, today, he is hitting the Justice Department and the FBI and accusing them of illegal behavior.
4: Well, so uh, on the intelligence committee, uh, com- community, I think they did a, their assessment of 2016 is accurate. It's 100% accurate. The Russians interfered in our elections. Not only that, I believe they will do so again in the future. And it presents this sort of uh, unique situation. On the one hand, the Trump administration's policies on Russia have been tougher than anything anyone could have imagined. They've provided defensive capabilities, offensive capabilities, lethal weapons to Ukraine. Again, this week sent more. Their sanctions have exceeded what many in Congress have even asked for. Which is why the president seems
1: incongruous. His comments don't match that.
4: Right. And so then you have those statements. And and I think it was not a good moment for the administration, obviously. Um, Hopefully something like that never happens again. But I I think it's important to also focus on the policies, which ultimately is what matters. Um, The rhetoric can influence policy and undermine policy, but I don't think we've reached that point here with this. The, The most important thing I think we need to focus on now is deterring future attacks by putting in place... Uh, immediate sanctions that take hold if if they do this again.
1: And you've got a bill proposing something along those lines, but there's no date set for that.
4: Well, obviously now, I mean, this is a major piece of legislation. These sanctions that we're talking about are devastating. And so we want it to be done the right way. And so that, therefore, we've asked uh, the committees of jurisdiction, which is the Foreign Relations Committee and the Banking Committee to hold hearings so we can get moving on it.
1: So you expect hearings, but no vote anytime soon?
4: Well, the leader has said, uh, Leader McConnell said he wants to vote. Leader Schumer has said he wants to vote. So usually when the majority and the minority leader of the Senate say they want to vote on something, it it usually gets voted on.
1: Were you really satisfied with what what has been characterized as a walk back by the president, changing would to wouldn't? Is it really two letters that was the issue for you?
4: Well... A bottom line is that I'm glad he said what he said because it left the impression that somehow we were siding with Putin versus our intelligence agency. So it was important that he do that. At this point, uh, we can't go back and change what happened. It was not, as I said, it was not a good moment, but it was what it was. We need to move forward from that with good public policy. And, and part of that is, I think, standing with our intelligence community. At the end of the day, I am never going to side with Vladimir Putin. We should never side with him against our own government and against our own people. Here, you No matter what you are, Democrat or Republican, We wouldn't want any country in the world involved in trying to influence the outcome of our elections or the direction of our elections. We should never be tolerant of any country in the world coming into our own country and trying to pit us against each other. We wouldn't tolerate that of France. We wouldn't tolerate it of Luxembourg. Why would we tolerate that of Russia and Vladimir Putin?
1: Senator, thank you for your time. Thanks for being here. Thanks. We'll be back in one minute with a lot more Face the Nation, so
0: don't go away. Memories make us laugh and cry and sometimes cringe when we look back at our fashion choices but in between flashbacks of bowl cuts and dad jeans our memories are fading and so is the old media that holds them hi i'm adam baselogger and i'm nick mako and we're the founders of legacy box legacy box is the easiest and safest way to preserve your family memories here's how it works fill legacy box with your outdated media we professionally digitize and send them back on dvds thumb drive or the cloud look
1: We traveled to Martha's Vineyard this week to talk with former Secretary of State John Kerry about his new book, Every Day is Extra. We also asked him about President Trump's performance in Helsinki. I
5: found it shocking. I found it to be one of the most disgraceful, uh, remarkable uh, moments of kowtowing to a foreign leader by an American president that anyone has ever witnessed. And it wasn't just that it was a kind of surrender, it's that it is dangerous. The president stood there and did not defend our country. He stood there and did not defend the truth. He did not defend the facts and the danger. Here's why it's dangerous, because it sends a message to President Putin and to the rest of the world that the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, really doesn't have a handle on what he's doing and that he doesn't you know, know either what the facts are or he won't accept the facts.
1: So you don't buy his walk back. I don't buy his
5: walk back one second. And by the way, how can anyone buy walk back after walk back when you take positions here and then you take positions over here and and you're repetitively uh, walking back and changing? We are at a point where after the documented uh, untruths of this president, documented by many, many different media sources. That there's no credibility. You don't know whether to believe or not to believe. That's the worst situation you could have for a president of the United States in a dangerous world.
1: President Trump frequently points out that this election meddling happened on President Obama's watch. You were in the administration at the time. We heard President Obama publicly condemn Russia for doing that, but we never saw him publicly confront Vladimir Putin either
5: because it was just unfolding we discovered this in the late summer i remember the secretary being at a meeting where it was disclosed to us by our intel community i think it was august if i recall correctly and so you're you're in the last moments of the presidential campaign and president is already being accused of you know engaging in trickery and and in addition trump president trump uh, had been already publicly talking about the election being fixed and the process being uh, phony and so forth. So it was essential for the president to put the people with the greatest credibility out front. And he did. The intel community went out. The director of national intelligence, the, the CIA, they framed uh, the discussion so that think- so that let me just, so that President Trump couldn't well so then candidate Trump couldn't say it's rigged it's rigged you look this is a game for Hillary, so he had to stand back a little bit. But I was there in China when the president took President Putin aside. I know what he said to him. We had discussions about it before and after, and he confronted him. And the photograph somehow I think there were a couple of photographs. Photograph shows a fairly unhappy President Putin, he made it crystal clear what would happen. And the minute we were past election day so that we didn't wind up in a, in a situation, and by the way, the intel community also briefed the Republican leadership in the House and Senate, and they chose to make a move. So the reason was, I think, that everybody was just uh, digesting and getting a handle on exactly what they were up to. The minute the election was over, sanctions were put in place, and those sanctions have been ratcheted up since then. Um, This is an ongoing challenge to our country. It's It's not a Democrat or Republican problem. It's been building for a long period of time under President Bush. Prior to that, ever since we've had an internet, there has been an escalating series of cyber attacks against corporations and against government entities. And so uh, this is a problem for all of us as Americans, and we've got to depoliticize it. We've got to get away from this constant uh, effort to destroy a presidency, whosoever it is. Uh, it, 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 it It is tearing our country apart, and I think it's very, very
1: dangerous for our democracy. You were there when President Obama confronted President Putin, you said. Do you think, though, that he paid a sufficient price for meddling?
5: I don't think at this point he has because it continues. At that point, when we kicked people out, shut down certain entities uh, and and put sanctions in place, very tough sanctions, by the way, Uh, much tougher sanctions than we've seen more recently with respect to Russia. I mean, President Trump didn't even want to implement the sanctions. How long did he sit on them for? Almost a year without putting them into place because he didn't like them and he didn't want to do it. Something is having an impact on on. Uh, president trump with respect to dealing with russia and when you go out and you attack nato and you attack our alliance uh, our allies and you start denigrating uh, major leaders who have made a very significant effort to hold russia accountable you are really ripping apart uh, something critical to the security of the
1: united states and you are doing president putin's work for him i do want to ask for your reaction to something that president trump said to cbs news
6: who do you think your democratic opponent will be Joe Biden says he'll make a decision by January.
2: Well, I dream dream about Biden. That's a dream. Look, Joe Biden uh, ran three times. He never got more than one percent. And President Obama took him out of the garbage heap and everybody was shocked that he did. Uh, I'd love to have it be Biden. How do you respond to that?
5: Well, basically, uh, I prefer not to, to be honest with you. I think it's so outrageous. It's so uh, personal. So unbecoming of a president of the United States to engage in that kind of... It it shows fear or something. I don't know. Why is he picking that at this point in time when he has major issues he needs to deal with? Uh, Here's the bottom line. President Trump went over to have a much heralded uh, summit with President Putin. When he came out of two hours alone with President Putin, did they announce anything? Did they say they had an approach they were commonly going to work on towards Syria? Did they say that they were going to do something about the Middle East and violence? Did they say they had a common approach to counterterrorism? Did they say they were going to deal with North Korea? Any other number of major international issues? No, nothing. Not one single positive agenda agreement for moving forward. Uh, That's what he's trying to run away from. He wants to have you raising the question you just raised with me which is the real question in the moment, nothing about Joe Biden or what happened in the last campaign and everything. And what he does is he's always looking for the diversion, always moving away from the real business of our country, because he doesn't know how to do the real business of our country.
1: The rest of our interview will air when the book is released later this summer, on Sunday morning and on Face
7: the Nation. This is the defining moment, not just for the state of Kansas, but
8: for this nation.
1: What's a rising star in the Democratic Party doing campaigning in the red state of Kansas? We'll tell you when we come back.
2: Are you having trouble sleeping? NFL players have been coached. Blue light from smart devices, it can affect your sleep. They'll even wear blue blocker glasses in the evening for improved sleep. Others will try tart cherry juice and smoothies. Not only can it help fight inflammation, but to help you sleep, it's got high amounts of natural melatonin that's beneficial for sleep. The other night, my girlfriend told me I was snoring way too much and even the earplugs weren't helping. So the next day, she took me to a Sleep Number store because if I was snoring, at least she could get a good night's sleep on a Sleep Number bed. Sleep Number beds allow you to adjust on each side to your ideal firmness, comfort and support. The Sleep Number 360 smart bed senses your movement and automatically adjusts to keep you sleeping comfortably through the night. With Sleep IQ technology inside the bed, it tracks how you're sleeping so you can know every morning how well you've slept and gain insights for your best sleep. Experience the smart, effortless comfort of the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed. Find your competitive edge with proven quality sleep from $999. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com/cadence. That's sleepnumber.com/c-a-d-e-n-c-e. Sleep Number.
1: It's time now for some political analysis. Jeffrey Goldberg is the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic. Susan Page is the Washington bureau chief for USA Today. Ramesh Panuru is a senior editor for the National Review and a columnist at Bloomberg View. And Susan Glasser writes for The New Yorker and is a CNN global affairs analyst. Ramesh, Republicans were critical of President Trump's performance in Helsinki earlier this week the story changed a few times over the course of of this week. We've seen this back and forth before. Is the fallout going to be different this time? And does this compel any action from a Republican Congress?
8: I think we have seen this before several times. We have seen calls for action from Republicans that have not been answered. And I think that's going to be the case this time, because fundamentally, as as shocked and appalled as a lot of congressional Republicans were and a lot of members of Trump's own administration were by Helsinki, they also see the polling that shows that 80% of Republican voters think that Helsinki was a success, which is a sign of how... 80%. Which is a sign of how strongly they are supporting President Trump and how much they resent and dislike criticism of him, especially criticism from Republicans. So I'm afraid that that is not going to change this time. What gets you to 80 percent
1: thinking it's a success when the administration, as you heard from Senator Graham, hasn't said what they actually talked about or what was achieved?
8: I think that a lot of Republicans have decided they like President Trump. (laughs) Period. Yes. And then another group of Republicans, maybe they have some misgivings, but when he's being criticized so unfairly by other people, by Democrats, by the media, as they perceive it, they're going to rally to his defense.
1: Susan, do we have a sense of what was agreed to in this meeting? I mean, We know that the White House rejected at least one offer on Ukraine.
7: Well, look, I think there's a a, a direct conflict between the accounts offered by the Russians and the uh, very sparse uh, to non-existent information offered by our own government about what, if anything, was agreed to. We just heard Senator Lindsey Graham, who has been, uh, you know, an on-again, off-again, useful ally of President Trump on Capitol Hill, saying on the show that he has no idea what, if any, agreements were made. This is astonishing. We are one-week... Out from this meeting. The Russians have said there were multiple agreements. And President Putin himself said this, his ambassador uh, to Washington said there were useful, important agreements that were reached on everything from uh, Syria to apparently there were discussions about Ukraine. Uh, We know that there was this private conversation about possibly handing over uh, Americans uh, in exchange for uh, allowing uh, Russians to, uh, you know, question the or aid the Mueller investigation, uh, which was not shot down immediately by President Trump. Again, astonishing but very incomplete reports. President Trump has not briefed his own government in the way that any other summit would have been handled. Uh, This is really an event without precedent uh, in modern American foreign policy.
1: So, Jeffrey, I mean, if you you follow what Ramesh is saying there, it sounds like the more that national security officials stand up and say they're concerned, that... The president actually seems to be benefiting.
6: Well, two quick observations. The first is the truest thing Donald Trump may have ever said is that he has followers who, if he shot someone on Fifth Avenue, would stay with him. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're seeing that every day in in, in many different ways. Um, the, the, the second point is, yeah, I mean, I, 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 unprecedented is the word that we keep having to come back to, right? Um, we have a situation in which the intelligence chiefs of the United States and the defense chiefs uh, of the United States don't know what the president said to the Russian president, don't know what the Russian president said uh, back, and they don't trust the elected president of the United States to advance American interests in these kind of meetings. Uh, this, is a, this is a bad movie in, in many ways. I mean, this is, this is some paranoid thriller from the 1970s um, in which a week later it's the Russians who are defining what came out of this meeting. And the American government, as Susan, it's the American government has no idea what happened in this meeting between the president of the United States and the Russian president.
1: And Susan, how do you take the political filter off of this? Because it sounds like, as, as Senator Graham laid out, there's a constant conflating of issues. There's the intelligence threat, the national security concerns, and then there is the president's constant claim of a witch hunt, and that that's where the public seems focused right now.
9: You know, I, I think Ramesh, Ramesh is right that there's not a titanic change in how voters look at this, but I do think this is a week where things began to change. <clears throat> I think you, saw, you began to see a a greater willingness on the part of Congress to push back a bit. You saw the Senate vote backing up NATO and opposing the idea of turning over Americans, uh, allowing the Russians to question them. And you also saw just the fact uh, that the the director of national intelligence and the director of the FBI were willing to do interviews at the Aspen conference was a sign of some pushback in the president's cabinet. I think this, this week, it's dangerous to say this, I think this was the most tumultuous week of the, <laughs> of the Trump presidency in some ways. And the, the other We're thing- We're putting I, a timestamp
6: on yeah, that. Yeah, until next week. <laughs> right? Until next week. The,
9: the other thing that I think is happening is that some of the consequences of the president's policy are coming home on Russia, on China, on North Korea. Things are not, the president has had a chance to implement his policies. He's not getting the reaction and the results that he wants. So I, I do, I feel like things are accelerating in a way. I'm not entirely sure where that goes, but I don't think this week is like every other week we've had.
8: One interesting thing about the isolation of the president in his own party, in his own administration, on this issue, is it does suggest that there's a limit to how much Putin is, poss- is possibly getting from this. I think mm-hmm. if you step back, you'd have to say that Russia has managed to trigger a kind of hardening of a bipartisan consensus against Russia. Now, of course, having a president who is not part of that consensus in, w- in some ways, that complicates the picture. <laughs> but the fact is, Congress and much of the administration isn't where he okay, is. OK, but <laughs> listen,
7: he's a, he may be a party of one when it comes to American politics, uh, at least on Capitol Hill. Uh, but in many ways, Vladimir Putin has already, he doesn't view things purely the way that we often do through American domestic politics. He has already accomplished much of what he set out to do uh, first of all, by being accorded the status and recognition of a a summit with apparently no conditions whatsoever on Russia to be welcomed back effectively into the community of world powers after the, remember, this started with the illegal annexation of Crimea in 2014. That is the first illegal annexation of territory in Europe since the end of World War II. There have been essentially, Donald Trump has now said, never mind, it's okay, we're welcoming you back. He said he wanted to invite him back into the G7. And so, number one, Putin, by merely having the summit, I think won a victory. Secondly, he has basically embarrassed and humiliated the president of the United States. Now, you could say, well, it was the president himself who did it, but... Uh, This is something that uh, has an incalculable goal. Now, the policy apparatus in the U.S., whether it's on Capitol Hill with sanctions or they just announced $200 million uh, in additional uh, arms uh, uh, for Ukraine, uh, that seems to be the Defense Department bureaucracy's response to the summit. But the fact that that continues on, uh, President Putin has always been very savvy in saying what really matters is the word of the President of the United States, and that predates Donald Trump, by the way.
6: Can, can I just make one quick point about how American foreign policy is made? It's made by the President of the United States. Mm-hmm. The President has, has a lot of authority to make this. So you can say there's a hardening of a bipartisan consensus around Russia. The President decides American foreign policy. And, and and, and by the way, the other salient keep coming back to this point, 80%. He... The the Republicans are with him. Um, He gets to make foreign policy. And so Putin is getting something out of this. You
1: did hear from the Justice Department this week, Susan, though, with uh, Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein coming out and saying, we're going to alert people when they are the victims of foreign government targeting. You are seeing the bureaucracy or the infrastructure try to harden here. But is there a limit to what they can do?
9: Oh, yeah, there is a limit. Uh, There's only so much you can do when the president is... Running his administration, and you're an administration official on some kind of kind of different track. But there, you can do some things, uh, and I think that uh, that uh, the deputy attorney general was a signal of one thing of not going through the White House. The White House he did not indicate the White House would decide if if Americans were going to be alerted to meddling in future elections. Um, you, you saw that with um, uh, with uh, Dan, with Dan Coats and with Chris Ray, um, where you you see some officials, I think, trying to stand up in a way we haven't seen before. But there are real limits what they can do, because, as you say, the president is present. And particularly, this is why presidents love foreign policy when they get in trouble at home, because they have so much more sway there than they do on domestic affairs.
1: We had um, another report on Friday of uh, uh, past indiscretion of the president, allegedly, with this model and the recording of a conversation he supposedly had with his then attorney, Michael Cohen, where do we frame this? Where do we put this in terms of some of these allegations of the president's past behavior?
9: I think the, I think the pre- allegations about the president's personal behavior don't ha- have much impact in our system anymore. I don't think people are surprised by them. I think the Russia allegations are much more serious to our constitutional system. The one way in which these could be serious is we don't know what else Michael Cohen knows and might be able to reveal and might have taped. Also, it could, of course, lead to criminal uh, violations. There there could be criminal cases coming out of this if it involved uh, breaking of campaign finance
7: laws. The significance of having um, the president of the United States potentially caught on tape uh, admitting uh, to something in private that uh, publicly they were denying that, that hearing the voice of the president uh, himself, if we ever hear this tape uh, lying, would be something that you know has a potential impact regardless of what the underlying story was. So I do agree uh, that it does seem to be you know baked into the cake mm-hmm. at this moment in time. You know people have these very very fixed views. This is a very divisive time. And so it's, it's hard to get people to change their opinion about Donald Trump. But I do think uh, we shouldn't understate the potential uh, shock value of hearing whatever the president said on this tape.
6: Of, of all the, the things that could disturb and destabilize Donald Trump this week, all of the criticism, the fact that his lawyer has now evidently turned against him and is, has tapes and is willing to turn them over. That is the thing that's probably depressing him most today.
1: Ramesh, quickly, uh, presidents typically don't touch the Justice Department. They also typically don't comment on the Federal Reserve. We had the president do both of those things Uh, this week. How should people understand the president's comments about how upset he is with his chairman?
8: Well, the president expressed frustration because he thinks he's doing a lot to stimulate the economy, and the Federal Reserve, by raising interest rates, is acting against that. It's the kind of frustration a lot of presidents have had. Typically, though, when presidents have expressed that kind of frustration, they've prompted a reaction by the Fed, which wants to guard its independence and sometimes will go more in the direction the president doesn't want them to go for that reason. I think what you have here is a president who doesn't quite understand the norm of leaving the Fed alone or the reasons why that norm developed in the first place.
6: That was an understatement. That (laughs) was an understatement.
1: Uh, And and any comment obviously has market implications. Uh, Thank you to all of you. We will be back in just a moment.
3: I used to think that all diet and weight loss plans were the same. Well, not anymore because I found Noom. Noom is a new and totally different approach to losing weight and getting healthy that uses psychology and small goals to help change your habits. So it's easy to lose the weight and keep it off for good. Noom combines the power of technology with real human support, offering as little or as much help as you want along the way. And since Noom is an app, it's always with you and easy to use, which makes it super easy to stay on track and reach your goals. Plus, it's really simple to get started. Just go online, answer a few quick questions, and they'll create a personalized program just for you. Noom helped me lose my old way of thinking about food and dieting. So what do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com slash podcast, N-O-O-M dot com slash podcast, and start your 14-day trial today. Like they say, change your habits, change your mind, and change for good with Noom.
1: This week, CBS News political correspondent Ed O'Keefe spoke with four South Florida voters, two Republican, one Democrat, and one Independent. The conversation about the Trump-Putin summit revealed some deep divisions. Here's a quick look. He's supposed to stand for America, the United
9: States, and he didn't do a good job. I believe he didn't do what was necessary. And yes, he's trying. He's not a politician, but he's trying.
10: Steve? I think the uh, summit in Helsinki went very well. I thought the president did a great job. I I don't understand these people that uh, start screaming, you know, uh, every time Putin's name comes up. I mean, he's some evil boogeyman. I, I, I just don't buy it. I think that if President Trump would find a cure for cancer, the Democrats would complain that he put undertakers out of work. The meeting went really well. What do they want him to do? Get up, put some gloves on, and kick his butt? He's not going to do that.
8: I think it was an embarrassment from the moment he landed in Europe. He uh, appeared incompetent. He didn't know he he was not briefed, he could not answer questions properly. As far as uh, the meeting with Putin, I felt that he dishonored us and he mocked us the moment that he put Putin ahead of us.
10: Are you worried at all about Russian interference again this fall in the elections? Not at all, I'm not worried about Russia interfering with our 2018 midterm elections at all. Actually, I believe uh, President Putin when he said that they did not interfere with our elections in 2016. So you believe Putin? I believe Putin over our intelligence agencies, absolutely. Why? Our intelligence agencies under under President Obama are are rife with people that are on the left, they have their own agenda, and their agenda was to defeat Trump, and if Trump got elected, to impeach him. Monica. Russians (laughs) interfered in the elections? Yes. Okay. Are you worried it's going to happen again?
8: I I do. I Everyone it's...
10: agrees that not one vote was changed in the 2016 election, even if the Russians did meddle or try to meddle. There's not an if. Not one vote was changed. There's not an if.
1: You'll be able to see more of Ed's conversation on our website, facethenation.com, and on our digital network, CBSN. That's it for us today. Thanks for watching. Until next week, for Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Senators Lindsey Graham, Marco Rubio, and Bernie Sanders. Plus, former Secretary of State John Kerry and Democratic congressional candidate Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation, we're online at facethenation.com, and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our digital network, CBSN, at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern every Sunday.
0: If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad free right now.
9: Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus.
10: The Hargan women seem to have it all.
7: From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing.
10: But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household.
1: Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen.
8: Mm -hmm. No one's answering.
10: I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, The Hargan Family Killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts.